then the whole frame of the yurt is supporting you too. That's right. <laughs> it's an idea of even lower then for sure. Right, but. <laughs> right. Snow is a lot heavier than than one body, that's for sure. That's right. <laughs> I've had quite a few cheeseburgers, but I haven't tipped it over yet. <laughs> Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 157 with Kevin O'Brien. In some ways, the yurt is the original tiny house on wheels. If you've never seen one, a yurt is a portable, round tent covered with skins or felt and used as a dwelling by nomadic groups in Central Asia for thousands of years. In America, yurts have been popular since the 1970s, and I've wanted to interview a yurt dweller here on the show for some time. Enter my guest, Kevin O'Brien, who lives year-round off-grid in his yurt in New Hampshire. Kevin will explain why he chose a yurt over other forms of housing and what the benefits and drawbacks are for full-time living. I'd like to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Precision Temp. Precision Temp is making one product to solve two issues that I know everyone deals with in a tiny house, running out of hot water and heating your tiny house. Precision Temp has made the amazing Twin Temp Junior propane tankless water heater, which provides unlimited hot water for your tiny house and hydronic heating. This means you get warm, heated floors so there are no cold spots. It's designed specifically for tiny houses and features whisper-quiet operation as well as high efficiency. If you want more information on how Precision Temp can help make living tiny easier and more comfortable, visit precisiontemp.com. While you're there, use the coupon code THLP for $100 off the Twin Temp Junior plus free shipping. That website again is precisiontemp.com, coupon code THLP for $100 off the Twin Temp Junior plus free shipping. Thank you so much to Precision Temp for sponsoring our show. I am here with Kevin O'Brien. Kevin is a longtime dreamer, finally doer of living simply off grid in a yurt on 15 beautiful acres in a tiny New Hampshire town. He is a full time computer hardware guy, a former Marine, odd fellow member, active options trader, and volunteer firefighter who has slowly but surely taken the steps needed to finally get where he is. Uh, Those were going from a standard 2,500-square-foot, four-bedroom colonial to a 750-square-foot house, and finally to a 491-square-foot off-grid yurt, and learning a lot as he goes. Kevin O'Brien, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. So I'm realizing, I'm thinking that there might be some listeners who have never heard the word yurt before. Uh, I was wondering if if you could just start by, you know, describing, you know, what what is a yurt? Sure. Uh, it's I think the official term is gur. It's uh based off uh, a nomadic Mongolian homestead which is is basically, you know, designed to be picked up and moved, you know, with with the herd as they go. So they're very portable. They're circular in structure and in that sort of there's no interior load-bearing walls at all. Uh, you know, the circular design forces all the, the, you know, the snow load, if you're in a snow load area, 
to the outer walls, and so it all bears it evenly. So it, they're pretty flexible inside. You know, they come in a variety of sizes. Mine is a 25-foot 25, 25 diameter yurt. Okay. So that means it's it's from one wall. If you walk in a straight line, it's 25 feet until you kind of get to the other side? Yep. Okay. Yep, exactly. I always forget what, which that is. Radi- <laughs> radius, diameter. I got to think back to like 10th grade or, or whatever. I, I had to pause and, yeah. I, and I hope that's right. You know, I hope there's no mathematicians listening. But. Yeah. So, so it's a round building. And I mean, is it, do your people, are, do you take offense to the word tent? Is that like anathema in, in your world? Yeah, well, okay. I don't really take offense at anything. You know? okay. My nephews came up the, the other week. They were up staying over. And, you know, they're like, hey, we, let's, I'm cold. Let's go back to the hut. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever works. But Yeah. So um, I guess um, so we've got a good description on a yurt. And, and uh, I will post some photos on the show notes page for this episode. So you can you can take a look at Kevin's yurt. Um, so I guess my next question is, you know, why a yurt? You know, because it seems like you, you know, you had an intentional kind of downsizing, I'm going to say tiny house living journey. Um, why, why did you choose a yurt? Uh, you know, I, I, it just really appealed to me. You know, part of the, uh, you know, I had this huge house and I'm just working so hard and it's all just to pay for this house. So it really it really wasn't, you know, good for my lifestyle, you know, whereas, you know, the yurt is, it has some tax benefits depending on where you live, uh, depending on how you set it up. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very flexible. You know, you don't really need a, 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 you know, where I live anyway, you don't need a building permit because it is a temporary structure. So you don't need a building permit. You can slap it up. You can live it a year round. You can, you know, with the, with no fixed load bearing walls on the interior, you can pretty much set it up the way you like. So, you know, it just, it just had a lot of flexibility. They're low cost, but it just, it really allowed me to, you know, financially do what I wanted to do, you know, which was not work to just pay off a mortgage. So. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you have to do in order to, you know, set up the yurt? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, well, actually, yeah, let's talk about that. Cause you're, you're in New Hampshire and I'm assuming that when you woke up this morning, it was very similar to Vermont where I woke up this morning. It was about negative eight degrees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and crazy wind. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, is the, is the yurt itself, is it insulated or, you know, what are, what is it made of? Yeah. So there's, uh, the interior the, or the first layer, the layer you see from the outside in or from the inside out, I should say uh-huh. is a, uh, the first, the layer is like, it's like a fabric. I'm not too sure what we'd call it. Almost like a nylon, I guess. And then after that is, uh, is a bubble foil insulation. So, you know, when we were building, it looked like just a massive jiffy, jiffy pop. If anybody remembers those. Yep. <laughs> and then over that goes a, uh, a, a, a heavy duty canvas cover. So there is a, a layer of insulation in there. You know, it's not like R20 or anything, but you know, the, I have just a wood, wood stove for heat and 
you know, it heats it up. Once I get it up to temperature, it's, it's perfect. Nice. Nice. So when you return, you know, from your, your day at work, um, is the yurt like, is it still somewhat warm or is it like fully as cold as the outside? Yeah, no, I, so I let the fire die this morning when I left and, uh, I just got home a little while ago and it was, I don't know, it was probably 20 degrees in here. This, that's pretty much where it stays. You know, it was 10 degrees outside and the yurt would be at 20, you know, it, it goes right to about there. It's about, you know, five or 10 degrees above the outside temperature. Okay. Okay. And now does that, you know, prevent you from having like indoor plumbing? Uh, the way I live, yes. But the reason why I don't have the indoor plumbing is the way my town decides if it's a permanent structure is if you have running water. So uh, if I were to put in running water, then now I need a septic. I need, you know, I need building permits, septic field, all of that. So as long as I don't put in running water, I don't need that. It, you know, for, you know, so for a head, I have just a nature's head toilet. Yep. A, a composting toilet and it works great and i get my water from a spring you know down the down the next town over and okay it just fill up there and it freezes you know sometimes i'll go yep. to work come home and everything's froze but right hey, it's not that big a, you know yeah yeah in the grand scheme of things that that's a that's a little little problem yeah yeah so did you um you know one one issue that that people in tiny houses on wheels can face in cold climates is just the fact that you are on this, your house is elevate, elevated above the ground and, you know, the floors can just be so cold. Um, so what, you know, what kind of platform did you build for your yurt and, you know, is it insulated? Yeah. Yeah. So I did talk to a couple of people who lived in them before I built and they were like, Oh yeah, the floors get super cold. So, you know, just, beef that up with insulation as much as you can. And so I did build a, uh, it's a, I just, I didn't use dimension lumber. I went up to a sawmill and got all four by six hemlock beams. Yep. So I laid those as the structure. And then on top of that, I have, I think they were two by 10 hemlock be, uh, joists. And I put 12 inches of insulation in that. And then a layer of OSB over that. Then I laid, like a heavy duty pergo, you know, sound deadening, insulating layer. And then on top of that, a, a, a laminate floor and it still gets cold. I mean, that wind comes through and it just steals all your heat. Luckily right now we've had a lot of snow this year. So, mm -hmm. you know, the snow is halfway up the windows. So I don't have this, it doesn't come under right now, but it, uh, it definitely is an issue. Okay. You know, you just you just definitely need a good pair of, uh, of slippers. slippers. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, that's that's what I do in the tiny house too. I've got my warmest slippers are there. Yeah. Um. So, wh where do you even get a yurt from? Where did you get your your yurt from? So I was lucky. You know, I looked around. There's, there's some big re retailers online. I'm sure if you just Google, you can find a million of them. But uh -huh. I actually have a guy just in the next town up, a little tiny town, and he builds them. Is, is oh. it okay to say his name? Or sure, yeah, I'm sure. yeah. It's a it's a guy called Ken Gagnon, and he owns a company called Two Girls Yurt. Okay, 
And so they, you know, they don't use like a dimension lumber product for their, for their rafters and everything. I don't know if you can see behind me, but they're all just, it's just little trees and they're all split in, and that's what he uses. And, and the rafters are, you know, full round. Yeah. They're beautiful. Yeah. And I, I really liked it. And I liked the, the idea of, you know, if I had an issue, I was pretty nervous, you know, I didn't really know what I was getting into. And I was like, well, if I have an issue, I know where this guy lives. You know, I signed the deal for this at his kitchen table. So yeah, it just, it gave me a real good comfort level to, to know that he was just up the road. And yeah, it what was is... great. You know, it, I know it's designed for this climate, you know? Yes. So, I mean, what does, what does a 25 foot yurt, cost or what i do you mind sharing what you paid for yours yeah no it was i think it was about sixteen thousand with uh the options i got which that's not the platform that's not the the floor you know uh-huh. that's the that's the the outside structure of the yurt pretty much of the dome that and the, you know i got some some upgraded doors and i added five windows that you know okay but yeah so that was about Sixteen thousand for that. Okay, and then you also had to do, you know, that site work in addition to that. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think so. Right now, I'm into it about you know twenty two thousand. You know, with the floor and the installation and yeah, you know, all the platform work and, and all that. Well, that's. I mean, that's that's awesome. I'm sure that's a lot less expensive than your twenty five. Hundred square foot colonial. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, would you? How? So, once you get that platform built, um, and you're ready to like put up your yurt, how hard? How hard is that installation? You know, how long does it take? Well, I, I really sweated that, you know, and and they uh, mm-hmm. they send a representative. They send one of their workers down to help you set it up. And I had, you know, a bunch of friends go by and, and help. Mm-hmm. And we started, I think we started at seven or eight in the morning and we were done by three or four in the afternoon. It was up. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And, and you know, this wasn't easy because where I live, we're on a couple hundred yards from the road and there's no, I mean, the only way to get in is on an ATV, you know, just through some mud puddles and, and all that. And so we had to, unload the truck onto an ATV trailer and, you know, Jimmy and all, all out here. And so that added some time, but you know, we got it done. Wow. That's <laughs> impressive. Yeah. So here's, this is a question from, from the chat, um, which is a great question. Um, what weather condition impacts a year the most negatively? Um, and they gave a couple examples, heat, cold, rain, wind, hail, but yeah. What, what are like your, are there any weather conditions that you have to really, you know, watch out for? I guess an uneven snow load could be dangerous, but, you know, that's only if you're you're not here. You know, when I start a fire, you know, and it's snow, we had a good snowstorm at the beginning of this year. We got about three feet. And I was home and the wood stove was going and it just slides off the roof. It just, the heat gets under there, heats it up and it comes off the roof. And right. Sometimes it'll just scare the bejesus out of you when it comes <laughs> off with the sounds it makes. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's. Uh, I guess that would be the only really dangerous thing. But I've never seen it build up unevenly. 
Right. And so it can, it can withstand the wind, like the crazy winds we get here in the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last night, I don't know what the winds were, but they woke me up several times. I'll bet you they were 50, 60 miles an hour. Yeah. Nothing. It, it didn't, nothing bothered me. I had a couple of trees come down where I, you know, I couldn't get a, I had to walk around them. They were across the path, but wow. Yeah. Yeah. The wind didn't bother it at all last night. That's amazing. I, you know, I, I, I think the worst season here is July when it's hot. And, and that may just be myself just cause I don't like heat. You know, I don't like, you know, a hundred degrees or, or 90 degrees. Uh, so to me, that was the worst, but. Right. Yeah. I guess. How do you, you know, are there any ways to cool down the yurt? Um, other than, you know, if you have the solar for an electric fan to just plug in a fan. Yeah. So I live like completely off grid. I only have two car batteries, but what I, what I actually bought was the Ryobi 18 volt one system. I bought a bunch of their tools uh-huh. and they have an 18 volt fan and it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I can just put that on, you know, a battery will last me most of the night. Uh huh. It just, you know, it's, it's, you know, being in New England, it's, you know, it's like two weeks a year where it's unbearable, you know, that right. like those two weeks of July where you just, oh, the heat is just killing you. But right. Right. Where it's like, that's how it is like everywhere else all summer, but we're, we're just like not used to it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It gets above 95 and, and I, I just can't take it, you know, but yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, one of the things is I, I also sleep in a hammock, which, you know, just like the wind helps or steals the heat when you're, it goes underneath the yurt, it it also works in the summer. You know, when you sleep in a hammock, the wind just goes right underneath it. And so that helps, helps cool, cool you down. down quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And do you sleep in the hammock in the winter too? Uh, about 50-50. Okay. Yeah. I, I do have... Uh, it's, I use my hiking hammock, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, you know, I have a, a down insulation that you have to use in the winter if you yeah. sleep in it for the same reason. But in the summer, you can just, you know, no insulation, you'll cool right down. But. And can you hang, do you hang the hammock right off of the, the, the frame of the yurt? Yeah, so there's an aircraft cable that runs around the perimeter. Okay. And, and that's what the... the the, I guess you'd call them rafters, come down to. Okay. And they push against that. And I put the, the I, you know, some couple carabiners. I hook the hammock right to that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, yeah. And then the whole frame of the yurt is supporting you, too. That's right. <laughs> it's an uneven load then, for sure. Right, but. <laughs> right. But uh, snow is a lot heavier than than one body, that's for sure. That's right. <laughs> I've had quite a few cheeseburgers, but I haven't tipped it <laughs> over yet. <laughs> so I'm curious about, you know, the wood stove. Does does the chimney go like right up the middle? Does it go out the, the top of the dome or does it kind of go out the wall? Like how does how is that all set up? And how do you not, you know, set your yurt fabric on fire with your with your wood stove? Right. So he, uh, I talked with the owner, Ken, about that, and he uh-huh. highly, highly, highly recommended that you just 
put the wood stove in the middle of the yard. Okay. Otherwise, they're, it's just a real pain to get even heat, you know, get the heat to move around. You lose a lot of heat through the sidewall. It's, yep. you know, you have to cut through your fabric. So he, he, he couldn't stress enough that, you know, if you're going to have only a wood stove for heat, put it through the dome. So mine goes right through the dome. Okay. And with by doing it this way, I don't have a dome that lifts up. So that hurts me a little bit in the summer where I can't open that up to vent. But there's probably a way around it. I could probably take the black pipe down and, you know, put an exhaust fan up there. But but it's, you know, it's, I don't really have, I've used a lot less. This is my first full-time winter here. And I had cords of wood everywhere set up. You know, I had no idea what I was going to burn. Yeah. And yeah. I've just barely burnt, you know, maybe two cords so far this year. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, Yeah. I know, I mean, my parents heat with wood and they don't even heat, they, you know, they don't even heat their, heat their whole house with wood. It's just part of their house. And I think they go through more than, they've probably been through more than two cords this winter so far. Yeah. It's been pretty, pretty cold, uh, you know, but, you know, once you get the wood stove up to temperature, the, the place just stays nice and toasty. And the snow load, you know, the snow building up around the base, that helps tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. That helps tremendously. But. So, you know, you mentioned when we started, you know, that, that the structures are designed to be very mobile. Um, have you, you know, do you have plans to, to potentially move it or, or like, I don't know if you travel with a yurt. I mean, I'm sure it's fairly large when you take it down. Yeah, I, I, they, they are, you know, designed to be mobile and it could, I could do it, but I don't want to, <laughs> you know, my plan here is, you know, probably within the next year or, or maybe two years, build, you know, a small log cabin or timber frame on this property. Uh-huh. And this will become an Airbnb. You know, I live right on the snowmobile trail. Nice. Uh, so yeah, this, I'll be using that for Airbnb for snowmobile, snowmobilers and, you know, or just to get away from people that want to just, you know, in the summer or whatever, just relax on the woods. So. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, here's another, another great question from the chat, which is, uh, what, what is the one thing you wish you knew before you began yurt living? So it's a great question because, you know, I, I, I would, I sat there and every day I would try to think of all these problems I could run into, you know, what do I need? Make sure I have everything. You know, I just set money aside for this and that. Okay, I got to get this done first and your priority list. And mm-hmm. the biggest thing on my list was power. You know, I got to, all right, I got to cut this down. I got to get all this stuff so I can have power, power, power. And when I got here, I realized, well, well wait a second. I don't need power. I don't need to come home and run a big screen TV. You know, I don't need to. Yeah. You know, I thought a, a refrigerator was going to be you know, a must, you know, that was my, my goal to get power so I can have the refrigerator set up. And, and I realized, well, I don't really need that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it shocked me, you know, that I had this money set aside to get all this power set up and, you know, and I, I don't need it. I don't need the refrigerator. I live just fine without it. I had to switch to black coffee, but <laughs> I'm okay with that. It wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So do you do your, um, you do your cooking like on a, on a camp stove essentially? Yeah. Well, this, uh, this time of year I cook just about everything on my wood stove. Oh, on the wood stove. Sure. Yeah. I just, I'll just, you know, like tonight I, I'll just throw a, a pot roast onto the wood stove and just let it go while I'm doing my stuff. And nice. But I did, I do have a little, uh, a little camps, one burner camp stove that I could use. Like, yep. you know, that's great for cooking rice or you need to cook at a low temperature. Uh, yeah. into the summer, I just bought a nice grill, you know, that's outside on the deck and I cook on that and I just, <laughs> it just works pretty good. I work on the road for work. So, you know, if I want something that has to be, you know, refrigerated, say, you know, Oh, I want a steak tonight. I could just, you know, get it from the store and come home and cook it on your way home. Yeah. In the summer. You know, right now I just have the world's biggest refrigerator. You just chuck everything outside and, yeah. you know, it's good to go. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's also what we do. We just keep a cooler on our on our porch of the tiny house and it's the freezer. The deep that's freeze. right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the cool, it's, you know, it's in a cooler mainly just to prevent any p- animals potentially from uh, just in case finding their way to the food. Yeah, I so I did I did leave a steak outside last night. I was gonna cook it last night. I didn't get to it. I threw it on the steps, and yeah, yeah, sure enough, there was coyote tracks out there. They didn't come. They they were out this, you know, they were out twenty feet away, but they didn't come right yeah. up and get. It. But yeah, I I know better than that. I should have thrown it in the yeah. <laughs> in the cooler, but. So I'm I'm curious about your windows. Are they are they glass or are they like a clear fabric? Yeah, they're the clear plastic. Uh, it's a, a pretty thick. Okay. I guess it's plastic. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. too sure what the, the material is, but it, it's a clear see-through plastic. Okay. Uh, and I, you do lose quite a bit of heat through them. Right, because they're not, you're, you don't have that insulation where you've got those clear panels. Right, right. It, yeah, and they just, they basically just go on to the yurt with Velcro. It, you can you know, I have one of those little infrared heat guns and you can see the heat coming through there for sure. But uh-huh. now you just throw another piece of wood on the fire. You'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. So how would you describe, you know, your, it sounds like you really were planning for more infrastructure, you know, like, as you mentioned, like to have power so that you could have refrigeration, you know, and then you realized that you didn't need that much. Um, can you just say more about that? Because I really, I just love that part of your story. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, you don't, you know, you only base your your decisions and what you think you need on the way you lived before, mm-hmm. which, you know, until you do something, you you, you realize, oh, well, I don't need to do it that way. You know what I mean? I don't need to have a big screen TV. You know, I, I still have it cause I bought one before I moved here. Yeah. You know, I can run a generator. I do have a generator so I can run my tools, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, if my girlfriend comes over, we watch a movie. I do. We can put the generator on and watch it. Right. But that's not a need. It's not like I, I have to have that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I guess, you know, I would come home from work before, and you just flip on the TV, maybe just because, you know, I don't know, the noise helps or, but now, you know, I just love the silence. I just, 
I just enjoy coming home. You know, you hear the owls and, you know, the coyotes, you hear every little thing out there. And, yep. you know, it's just, it's very peaceful. <laughs> yeah. Without all that, that clatter, you know, the, the noise of uh, just white noise, I guess you would call it. But Yeah, yeah. I guess you, you tune into a new kind of base level noise of, of the nature that's around you. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it, I was worried that, you know, my God, I won't be able to take the cold. I won't be able to do this. I won't be able to do that. And you know, your body just sort of adjusts, you know, like my son came over the other day and he's like, well, can you put some wood on the fire? It's, you know, 10 degrees. And I'm like, Oh oh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I didn't even notice, you know, (laughs) let me heat the place up, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So I guess I got to be more cognizant of that, but. (laughs) <laughs> I'm curious um you know you mentioned that the town that you're in which we're we're not going to name it um you know you you didn't go with running water because that kind of turns your structure you know it makes it so that it's no longer a temporary structure um I'm curious is it is it legal for you to live in this year in your town full time? Or is it kind of like the gray area that you're, you're living in a temporary structure. So, you know, you're not necessarily supposed to be there 365 days a year. How does that work? Yeah. There's no restriction on that. Uh There are, there are people who live in this town uh, that have no hookups. You know, they're just completely off grid. Yep. Just, just like I am. Uh Uh-huh. What I found when I went, I went before the planning board and I told them, you know, everything I'm planning to do. And I was, I was like, well, what are the laws? You know, what do I have to do? And, and they were sort of like, well, gee, I don't really know either. So, <laughs> you know, and I guess a lot of towns are coming face to face with this, you know, especially with the tiny homes all happening that, yep. you know, they have to have some sort of plan, you know, just so people, you know, they can give people a, a, a consistent answer. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, so they worked with me and, you know, and I was very upfront with what I planned to do is, you know, live here for, you know, while I'm building, you know, my, my, my other house, uh, which will still be tiny, but. Right. But yeah, so, you know, they, you know, I worked with them, you know, and they were, the, they had the same question. Well, what, what is a year? <laughs> you know? Right. And I, I had given them the heads up, you know, cause I, I knew a bunch of them before I was going there. So I emailed them beforehand and said, I'm coming and I'm going to be asking these questions. So, you know, if you want to do a little homework. and <laughs> That's a good, that's look, a good tip. Yeah. Look up what I'm going to be talking about. Yeah. And did they have any, like, uh, you know, did they change anything about your plans in terms of how you built your platform or anything like that? No, because it, because it's a temporary structure, I don't need a, a building permit. Yeah. Sweet. So it was, it was basically just, you know, go for it, you know? Nice. And New Hampshire is still a little less restrictive than a lot of places, you know, where, you know, if you want to put your own electric in and burn your house down, it's your house. Go for it. You know? Right. Right. (laughs) Live free or die. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But yeah, you know, I'm sure they don't like me living here without paying those taxes. You know, I'm sure that 
Do you own you own the property though? Yeah, yeah. I oh own yeah, the but there are there no property taxes in New Hampshire? Oh, there are property taxes. Okay. They're pretty steep. Yeah. Right. So, There's no sales tax in New Hampshire. Right. No sales tax, no income tax. The property tax is pretty steep, which makes up for that. But Right. Okay. So this isn't a taxable structure just because it's temporary. Right. So, you know, but I, I do have a workshop that I had built out by the road. Uh-huh. You know, that how I have all my tools. And it's off grid too, but it's, you know. That's a taxable structure for sure. Got it. But. So, so in your yurt, you know, I'm just realizing 491 square feet is actually like big, uh, especially compared to some tiny houses. So I'm curious, you know, other than your, your wood stove, you've got your bed and hammock. Um, you know, what else do you have in your yurt? Yeah, I, I have, uh, you know, a, a four seater kitchen table, uh, a couple of armchairs that I built. Uh, you know, I have the, the TV set up, which is more of a room divider than anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I built a big, you know, so I'm building these big interior walls, like the bathroom wall is, is, is already built, which is, it, you know, it goes to the ceiling and it functions as a wall and storage. Okay. So, and and that's good. I got to, the next one is going over here in the living room, which will wall in the bathroom completely. And that will have, you know, library bookshelves and a, a Murphy bed built into it. Oh, cool. Okay. Would that be for you or for guests? Probably more for guests. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did have, a, I built a, uh, a Murphy bed in my last house, which worked out pretty good. And I built that for my daughter. You know, they're pretty easy. They're pretty functional. But, uh-huh. you know, I, I still prefer to just sleep in a hammock, you know. But Yeah. They're just much better for your back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's my wife and I kind of converted over to sleeping in hammocks when we go camping. Uh-huh. Pretty much exclusively now. I agree. It's um, no, there's like no comparison versus sleeping on the ground, even with a good, you know, inflatable camping pad. The the hammock like wins out from a comfort level completely. Right, right. Yeah, I I hiked the the long trail two years ago. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, and I had just just my hammock the whole time, and you know, I mean, it's New England. I yeah. I don't know how people sleep in tents with rocks everywhere. You know, there's <laughs> trees everywhere, so that you never, you know, you're never yeah. out of a place to. To hang your hammock or some of those shelters on the long trail i've i've not hiked the long trail but i've definitely you know a lot of the hikes that we do around here are just hikes up to the long trail some of those like shelters are pretty dark and dingy so i would much rather sleep in my hammock <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you always get that old guy that's snoring away and, yeah. you know so yeah yeah well, one thing that I like to ask all my guests is, you know, what are two or three resources, you know, maybe about yurts um, that you can recommend to our listeners? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, I just watched just a million YouTube videos. Okay. And even then, you know, I still had a lot of questions and I was a little skeptical. So that that was one of the good things was, you know, I found one locally where I could yep. just, you know, I, I went right to up to Ken's house and, and they have them set up and I went and I went to go see it right in the winter, you know, and, and <laughs> how is this, and, you know, and yeah. 
no way I could I could touch it, I could feel it, I could poke it. And you know, I'm on uh, Yurt Living at Facebook. That's a Facebook group. Yep. You know, people are asking questions all the time. And, you know, and I'm sure if you say, "Boy, I, you know, I'm in this area, and I just, I really want to just touch one," you know, it's a pretty uh, helpful group. So, you know, people, I'm sure people would say, "Oh, yeah, come by, and you know, I'll show you mine, or you know, whatever." Nice, but, nice. Well, awesome. Well, Kevin O'Brien, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I've, I've really been you know, wanting to interview someone about living in a yurt and living in a yurt, you know, all year round. So thank you so much for, for being willing to come in and tell us all the details. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Kevin O'Brien for being a guest on the show today. You can find the show notes, including photos of Kevin and his yurt over at thetinyhouse.net slash 157. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 157. Thank you so much to Precision Temp for sponsoring the show this week. Don't forget to check out the Twin Temp Junior over at precisiontemp.com. And while you're there, use the coupon code THLP for $100 off plus free shipping. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.